Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 186. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? I'm limping in today. Got a little cold going and uh, trying to fight it back, man. So this is that time of year. I'm sure everybody's going to start getting colds. You got to fight it off and make sure you're ready to go skiing. I hear you. I'm. It's one of those weeks. You know, usually after daylight savings time ends and you get that extra hour, usually you feel a little more rejuvenated, like you're getting an extra hour of sleep. I don't know. My body just went into like like <laughs> full retard this week, and I just I I couldn't go to bed on time. I was getting up early. It's just been kind of after like last week's insane craziness. This week. It's been chill, but it's been, I've been making it more complicated and now I'm getting a little sick. I had some weird knee thing happen. Like Monday I was walking down the steps of the gym and all of a sudden my knee went like, like just spasmed out. Oh man. I have no idea what happened. It's not That's a big not deal. I, I seem to be okay, but just one of those, if I bend wrong, I feel like a, like a sharp poking inside my knee. Damn. That's not, not concerned. Will not be a problem. Had the same thing last year, went away in like a week or two. I don't know what it is. It and of Walk course, off, my freaking wife, my like destroyer of dreams wife was like, maybe it's your body saying it doesn't want to be in the cold anymore in the winter. Oh, your old, shitty, useless body telling you it doesn't want to be in the cold anymore. Oh, boom. So, I don't know. I get for the last few weeks, I, I actually for the last month or so, I've been getting when I'm running upstairs or walking up after going so i go to the gym i do a bunch of shit and then i come home and i start walking up the stairs my knee pops like really significantly pops mm. no pain it just pops and it's this loud pop and i'm like fuck so i looked it up they say you probably don't have to worry about it if there's no pain uh so i'm gonna just keep working it out and see what happens it hasn't been popping i started going back and concentrating on working it out not with i think i was working out maybe too hard but we'll see yeah, we're all falling apart. We're all dying slowly. The sand is all tricking out of our hourglasses. But, hey, we're here. We're doing a podcast. So thank you so much for listening. Check out all of our information, skibumpodcast.com. Find us on all of the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are at Ski Bum Podcast. Please subscribe, rate us, tell your friends, your family, your ski and snowboard buddies. Just please send them links. We really do appreciate that. It really helps us out iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and wherever YouTube we got videos on there. SoundCloud is uh it's still still the throwback the time machine the time one, the time cast. one day we're gonna update that bad boy. We're also know, pin- at, the, at this point I think it's just time capsule. Just leave it yeah leave it the way it is. Maybe just leave just let it be just let it be man. We're also on Pinterest. You were doing some pinning last week I believe. Yeah I did like only a few things. Yeah, and if you want to send us an email, hit us up, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. The shop. I was teasing some new stuff on the shop. I haven't got it posted yet. I'm hoping to have it up this weekend. Our CMO has had an idea to get some models in to model some of our, our attire. Not sure if that's going to happen. We are going to have some stuff up this weekend, though. If you're interested, please check it out, skibumpodcast.com slash shop. We'll have some stuff on Instagram with that, too. And next week, big week for us, I will be at the Ski Utah events in New York City on November the 12th. And Mario, you and I will both be at the Boston Ski and Snowboard Expo starting on Thursday 
and going all weekend. 14 We will be there. Yes. We have a lot of uh, events, meetups, parties, bleh, whatever. I think a I lot going that on. on a video this week too. Yeah. My, uh, my Gore-Tex. That's right. I almost forgot I did that. I'm almost delirious. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of good stuff going on. You know, follow us through all the socials, uh, especially during the snow show. So if you're around and you want to meet up or something, we'll, we'll figure something out. We haven't picked a venue or an event to actually have a formal meetup, but you know, we have a few people we're, we're trying to get in contact with and hopefully we'll almost have like a flash mob thing go on. It's going to be an informal impromptu from what I'm, what I'm sensing. Cause uh, there's just too much going on and we don't have anything set up yet. Yeah. It's probably too late to find a venue and we don't know the area well enough to really pick a spot. And, you know, we don't want to set something up and have like one person show up either. So, well, we could also tweet out where we're going to be on a particular night. You know, hundred percent. That's that's what I'm saying. Like, follow us on the on the socials, and we'll have some info there about where we're going to be. And you know, we'll tweet, we're gonna we'll Graham. We'll I guess we'll Graham will post to the book, and then we'll be all right. It'll be everywhere. Yeah, and of course, we have to thank our sponsor, Quickie Wax, QuickieWax.com. They are a ski bum owned custom wax company out of colorado they also have a custom ski company that they are affiliated with kendall custom skis they are available at kendallcustomskis.com check them out they make great products we really appreciate them sponsoring us thank you quickie wax thank you very much you guys check it out and get some wax they have four different kinds for four different conditions so you'll always have the right wax no matter what the conditions are no matter where you are Check them out, and thank you again, Quickie Wax, for sponsoring us. Let's kick it off, like we always do. It's time for our pray today. Mario, do you want to start us off? I'll start us off because I'm pretty lame since I'm uh, since I got hit. It was it was one of those where you wake up at like five in the morning, and you're like, "Oh shit, I'm sick." You know, it's that first sign. You're like, "God damn it!" Like I get mad all the time. I'm like, "Fuck, it got me." So. uh you know, after all weekend, I was up at a hockey tournament uh, with 12-year-old kids running around, went from like 92-degree weather to snow and, you know, freezing conditions at night, uh, and then came back to like 90-degree weather again and humid. I, it's not, it's not um, a surprise that I caught something. Uh, I think there were like two cases of the flu and one case of uh, strep throat from the team. So... Uh, I think I avoided that. I just got like a nasty head cold. So uh, I was, I think I'm done with it now, uh, just about, but uh, peppermint tea. So that was my choice drink today. With a little bit of honey in there, little twinings. Um, that and some water with uh, lemon in it to keep me going until uh, I pass out after this podcast. There you go. And the good thing is we don't have too much this week. And for the main topic, we already recorded the interview last week. So most of our work is done. We're really just, the cake is already baked. We're just throwing a little icing on and maybe putting a few candles on it. That's right. Plus, I'm also I've been trying to stay away from the hooch this week and next week. That's my plan, because then we're going to meet up in Boston. And that's when I'll jump off the wagon. I don't fall off. I kind of jump off. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely do. It's like a double backflip off the high dive kind of thing. 
That's right. It's a fresh pal. Plus, there's going to be plenty of really good beers up there. You know, we've got Trillium. There was an article that we were talking about earlier today about one of the top 40 hotel bars in the world is in Boston, just on the other side of the harbor there. You may have to be checking out. Gonna have to see um, if they have a uh, a forty forty dollar old fashioned to rival uh, San Moritz, right? Ah, right. <laughs> yeah, like I said, Trillium uh, Long Trail is going to be at the Snowshow Ski the East and uh, Long Trail are doing a collab, so there's going to be a lot of good beers to be had while we're there too. You know, I would have been drinking a Chicago uh, hometown drink, the Malort. But I did not find any when I went to. We weren't really what? in. I thought we were going to be in Chicago. We were actually like an hour outside of Chicago in the Burbs. You were in Indiana. Uh, yeah, just about. We were just about in. What's the neighboring thing? It's uh, was not Wisconsin. Is it Wisconsin? Borders Illinois. I think it does. Yeah, I think we were close to that border. Went to you like out of the Malort zone. Well, we went to two different liquor stores and. I didn't see it, and I, I kind of looked around. I kind of half looked for it, so it wasn't like a priority to get it. But uh, if anybody looks at our Instagram, I did find a bottle of Tito's with a cute ass little hoodie. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. I it did, was a yeah. Fully working hoodie. Actually had little pockets and everything. So look at that. That's my Halloween Tito shirt. My Tito's keep, uh keep your vodka warm. That's right. During we'll this winter season, bring that everywhere now. So I'm I'm kind of in the same boat as you. A little under the weather, not feeling so great. Mine's more of a throat thing than a head thing. It's been lingering all week. And again, my stupid ass can't get to bed on time, so it's not going away. This weekend is all about recuperation, sleep, relaxation, again, to prepare for next week, which is going to be a lot of fun and a lot of, a lot of late nights. So I'm trying to be good. I also have some tea, but I have a fancy traditional medicinals throat coat but I gave it a little bit of a kick. I put in a little bit of Asbach Uralt, which is a German brandy. Nice. Well, Mario, I know you're familiar with the Asbach. Yes. It's, it's a really nice age three year brandy. It's one of those things like when you brandy is a weird thing, you know, cause a lot of people only just picture like old people drinking yeah. brandy. Brandy is weird because it's not in the popular fad right now. Like everything is whiskey and bourbon, but like brandy's like a close relative to to the bourbons, you know. Like, isn't it just a brand? I think it's just made with grapes instead of corn mash, right? I think it's a fortified wine, right? Maybe that. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. So it get it has like a big alcohol, but I think it's from grape. Yeah. So. If you take beer and fortify, you make whiskey. If you take wine and fortify, you get brandy. So it's a lot of the same process with just a little bit different original ingredients. That could be totally wrong and incorrect, but that's kind of what I, I have heard or I have read. So this particular brandy, it is made through traditional distillation, careful storage for at least three years in limousine oak casks and the secret Asbach maturing and refining process aged three years and acquired its unique and distinctive taste. So what does it taste like? You're probably wondering, well, yeah, I poured it into my tea. It is created by distilling wine. So there you go. All right. So 
It definitely has more of a scotchy flavor than a bourbon flavor. Mm. I don't know if it's the what they age it in or how they uh, how they're fortifying the wine. It's it's not the best thing to drink straight. It's not terrible. Not the best though. It it tastes a little flat. It doesn't have like a really rich, deep flavor that you get from a really good bourbon or um, a really good scotch. But it has a lot of flavor. And again, more of like that wine, like a grapey flavor to it uh, in the front. But mixed with a tea, like if you're doing a hot toddy, this stuff is perfect because it has just enough flavor to, uh, to again, let you know that, that something's in the tea, but not to really... You know, not, that's not gross anyway. There's nothing really strong or stand out. Like if you put a scotch in there, it has more of like that smoky peaty flavor. This doesn't have any of that. Nice. There is an extra aged Osbach too. I think it may be eight years. This one's three. That one's actually really tasty. Oh, really? Again, it just kind of smooths out the, the original formula. I think we should corner the brandy market because that'll be the next big thing. Yeah, I mean, I got a couple of really nice brandies up there. Uh, I think and now brandy and cognac aren't they the same thing? Just cognac is just a particular region or particular grape being used. I think cognac is uh, champagne grapes, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I think they're the same thing, just different, you know, just the region or something. Yeah, I mean, that's the difference between, you know, champagne and a... Uh, sparkling wine. Sparkling wine. So, yeah, it's... From a specific region in France is where there Cognac you go. is from. So it's a brandy named after the town Cognac, France, which is produced in that area. That's it. There you go. So, so not the American whiskey versus the Scotch whiskey, Irish whiskey, right? Well, those, those things have different formulas, too, how they're made. I mean, bourbon, technic, well, bourbon used to have to be made in Bourbon County, Kentucky. And I think at some point they changed that where it can be made anywhere in America and still be considered a bourbon. The reason why Jack Daniels is not a bourbon is because they put it through an extra maturation charcoal. process going through a vanilla charcoal filter. And that filtration is what makes it not a bourbon, not the location it's made in. Little fact for y'all. Yeah. So not only am I having my tea with my Osbach brandy, I'm having another. I'm having a double upgrade today. Double upgrade. You, you're doing one for me too. Yeah. Last week, one of our stories in the upgrade today was from Powder Magazine, and it was about Petrovka, which you know we kind of I was I was talking about and getting all excited about it. The next day after the, we recorded the episode, it was Halloween, and I went out like the dummy I am to try to find pumpkin beer. And luckily, I was not the only idiot at the supermarket or at the liquor store trying to get pumpkin beer on Halloween. Uh, I heard some lady asking for it. Uh, and of course, they're like, yeah, it's been sold out since like September. See, if you wait till pump till Halloween, it's too late. Yeah. But the thing is where I am, it's been such a warm October. You didn't want to drink pumpkin beer until last weekend regardless you just have to plan ahead it's just yeah. the way you and we every year we say the same thing just plan ahead and buy it in september when it comes out never do you just gotta go sit in a walk-in fridge and just like drink it yeah <laughs> there's something about the air though that you get when it's actually really cold you know there's like something about the people got fireplaces on there's like a smokiness darkness cold it can't be replicated it just has to be part of nature 
Petrovka. I went to three liquor stores looking for pumpkin beer and Petrovka. It was, I found some shipyard pumpkin beers left. The only one I could find. No Petrovka in the first two. Last mm-hmm. liquor store. No pumpkin beers. Found Petrovka and Rich from All About Apre. Ah, look at that. That was quite the, uh, quite the find. Quite the funny experience. But yeah, they had one bottle left of this. And I think I posted it on Instagram last week. So I got it. I finally got my hands on it. Nice. So what's I will it taste tell like? you, I had very high expectations for it. Of course, this powder article made it seem like the most wonderful drink in the in the universe. You got the nectar of Zeus. Now. You know, yeah. it was Ooh, coming Ooh. out of Aphrodite's nipples, like her right. milk. You know, it was like that good. Like Ulu's piss. Uh, not, uh, there's definitely. I think that's actually one of Natural Light's. Uh, seltzer flavors next year is Ulu's uh, piss. That would be good. I'm sure. Hey, don't knock the Natty Light till you try it. There'll be a four pack. There'll be the uh, Catalina Lime Mixer. What's the other one that you uh, you had that was funny? Oh, the uh, Aloha Beaches. Aloha Beaches, Ulu's piss, and something <laughs> else. But this one, so I had high expectations. And it pretty much is another weird European liqueur. Is really what it comes down to. Mm. It's not terrible. It's definitely not terrible. It's good. I just think maybe, as in the article talks about, it does taste better on a ski lift out of a flask. Well, there's also, what's the uh, the plum brandy that you put in um, Jaeger tea? It's supposed to be... Oh, the, like the Slivowitz? St- Slivowitz, yeah. yeah. So when, when it when they were talking about in the article, I'm like, is it just like another flavor brandy like that? Like, what is it? So I don't know if it's some sort of weird experience I had, but when I smell it, it smells like a dentist's office. Huh? So if you like the dentist's office, then if you like the dentist's office, you're a psychopath and you'll like this stuff. You know what it is? It's really clovey. Okay. If you like things that are clovey, I mean, that's, that's, that's the big flavor you get up front. So that pair with a nice Christmas ham? Christmas ham. If you have a uh, some sort Make of fruit glaze cake. out of that. Make the glaze out of it. That could be interesting, yeah. There is a bit of a, a twang <laughs> at the end of it. I don't know if instead it's a good one that twang on your meat. Instead of rum ham, you get Petrovka ham. Petrovka ham. We got the Petrovka ham. Petrovka ham. Oh, the rum ham is for the summer. Petrovka ham is for the winter. That's very true. Yeah. So this is made of 20 different herbs, spices, and aromatic oils. It has become something of a legend. Only two people have the fullest of ingredients. And those two people get together in a room called Drogekammer to mix the spices each week. It sounds like they're going to have a cage match in there, right? It's going to be a fight and one, two men go in, one man comes out. Yeah, they ever see two dudes going in a room together. You know something shady's up. That's where they have the real set of books. That's when the real deals are getting made. Yeah. Shady, shady stuff going on. They're like planning like 9-11 part two. Like there's definitely some shady stuff going some on. Some shady shit. There's like some mafia stuff in there. Bilderberg, you know, <laughs> Illuminati stuff going on with some docking probably. It's just a lot of weirdness probably going on. A lot of weirdness. ingredients. Oh, yeah. Because you know they're drinking before they go in. 100%. I'm going to have this at some point on the mountains in a flask and I will have to do a second take, a follow-up 
to see if the environment changes the flavor. I think my favorite thing we ever did in a flask is still that Van Gogh double espresso vodka. That's good stuff. Like that stuff was great in a flask. Cause again, you get you a little bit of the, you got to get the double espresso. All the other ones are just like, what the hell is this? There's one that's like super sweet. Yeah, no, that I, mean, I think you were the one that had that first and we brought it out there and I'm like, oh my God, this is so good yeah. because you get a little bit of buzz from the espresso because it has a little caffeine in it and you get the mellowness of the vodka. That was, that still, I think is the best, best flask drink at this point, like a like single ingredient drink. Yeah. And it's not syrupy. That's the good part. It's just vodka with that flavor. Yeah. No. That would actually be a really good episode. We should discuss this as we get closer to the holiday season. I think just uh, a roundup of maybe flask favorites. Flask favorites. I like that. Actually, we should ask everybody to write into us and tell us what their flask favorites are. If they say fireball, we'll automatically invalidate them. Skibumpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> yes, please. Let's, let's do this. The people, I want to hear your favorite stuff that you're putting in your flasks. If you like Fireball, you can let us know. That's fine. We know, we understand people do it. Um, hey, eighth graders have to drink too. We get yeah, it. If that's what you like, yeah, that's that's great. Um, but yeah, there's got to be some other creative, creative stuff. I'm sure if people have their own concoctions they put in there, you know? Yeah. Hey, you know what? We're, we're trying to figure out the best single ingredient thing, but if you guys have a cool concoction, let's hear it. Let's, uh, let's find out. And I wonder too, with a lot of the states that are have good skiing also have legalized cannabis. If there are some liqueurs that are coming out that are like weed infused. Cause I know Ooh. we talked about it. We've over the, you know, years we've been doing the podcast, we've talked about, I think wines and beers. There's been a bunch of different companies that have, have infused marijuana into their liquors, but I don't know if any were like commercially viable or just like some dude kind of hacking it together. You bring a nice little thermos. Open it up on the ski lift with a little hot cocoa made with a little dosed uh, chocolate. How about that? Or what about some, uh, you know, like a sativa honey? Mmm, there you go. Put the honey in there. Like a, yeah, like a sativa infused honey. That would be really nice to mix with some tea. And Baron Jaeger. Put that in there too. Baron Jaeger. I got to find that. Oh, you know, that's another actually really good single bottle like single ingredient liqueur the baron jaeger bourbon mm. remember that one they mixed they, they made a combination one yeah they have a few of them out now like it, it kind of jumped it kind of got out of hand because it was just the regular baron jaeger then the bourbon and then they came out with like i think there's the baron jaeger honey liqueur with some other flavors in it like they just have too many now it's like it used to be easy just look for the bottle that looked like the the beehive with little beehive on top yeah, for those who don't know, Baron Jaeger is a honey liqueur. And that is the best. You get um, just chamomile tea or some tea, and you mm -hmm. just put a heavy dose of that in it. Oh, man, it's delicious. Just sit out there, sit in the cold, and drink it. It's great. Yeah, it's 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 a really interesting liqueur. It's really tasty. It's definitely sweet because it is honey liqueur. Yeah. That's but yeah, they, perfect like a tea. You just chuck it in there and mm. They do a honey and bourbon one, though. That one is actually also a really good throw-it-in-your-flask liquor. That sounds pretty good. So now we're starting to get a little competition going. We're starting to get a few items together that we want to we 
have in this contest. So again, if you have any ideas or things that you like in your flask, hit us up, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. We do have one story while we're still at praying today. And Mario, you actually read the article. I found it. You read it. Yeah. So what do we got here? So let me see. Um, I got to pull it up again because... The article is from Wired Magazine and says, this martini wants to kill climate change one sip at a time. Yeah, so they just came out with this new vodka. And the interesting thing about it is it's not made from the regular distillation process. So it's made by actually pulling it out of the air, but they're pulling it from not like fermented stuff. So it says he's got a device that can electrolyze a burst of carbon dioxide and a dose of water. Actually just taking water and they do some chemical thing to it. And then they grab whatever escapes in the air. They bring it back in that vapor and then they put it into a bottle and it's booze. So it's like an artificially made, it's almost like it, it reminds me of, you know, the, the gastro cooking where they take like emulsifiers, like they take these chemicals that are found in nature and they use them to make these crazy dishes. It sounds like something like that, where it's like a heavily crafted drink. So they actually, uh, after this reaction, they, they make, they make like a, a fuel, like an ethanol fuel that they actually distill down. It's like pure ethanol. So, which is what makes you drunk, which is what's in, in vodka. So then they say they take that and they, bring it down and, and, you know, they bottle it. Funny part of it is they said they were, they've been doing it for a while. Like, I guess this guy's like a scientist and his buddies are like, Hey, let's just, let's just drink that, you know? And they just fuck around and they're like, Hey, let's, let's, you know, make alcohol out of this one, you know, and drink it. So they started playing around with it and they did that around one of their friends. They were, they were, um, hanging out with a music promoter that was working for Smirnoff which is also part of the Diego Booze Company. Hold on a second. I don't think that's that funny because like, they were like joking around about it. That could really be something. And uh, <laughs> then they started working on it and boom, you know, a few months later, now you have this uh, new label that just went out. They said they released it this weekend or it's going out this weekend. And they're saying it's about 65 bucks a bottle and it's called Air. It's pretty awesome because they say the way they're making it, they created the way they do the whole process, they're doing it all renewable. They're actually saying it could have a negative carbon footprint by making it. So by drink, by supporting that, you could actually support the environment. That's what they're trying to trying to promote. So but, you can re- pretty much be boozing it up and saving the planet by doing so. Save the planet. Drink this uh, air vodka. I'm still trying to wrap my head around how this even works. So they're pulling CO2 out of the air and then they're adding it to water and the electrolyzer and then they're getting booze. They're getting ethanol. They're getting ethanol. And that's a 20 to 25% ethanol. And then they put it into a still. Right. And that's how they get the, okay. Right. So then they distill it after. And it's, but it's cool. It's like, so you don't have to get fruit and let it sit around and rot and ferment or whatever and get enzymes. You're just basically pulling out of the, out of the raw material almost. That's so, so crazy. Very weird, right? Like, why couldn't school, like high school, have the chemistry or you know let's even say college why couldn't there be chemistry classes that taught you this yeah did nobody know this or this guy invent this process (laughs) so they're saying they actually add so they take it down and then you have to make it 80 proof because i can't 
it can't be over 80, I think, to sell. So they're saying they add tasty water from upstate New York back in it to dilute it to a typical 80 proof. So it's basically just water and booze. So it's like you couldn't get any purer than that. That's pretty awesome. Carbon negative vodka. You know, I hope this is something that starts a new trend where people are looking for, you know, cleaner, more efficient ways to do this. I wonder if you could even do it with any other kind of booze or just, I guess probably just vodka is the only thing you could really do that with because of the, the flavor profiles and you need those other ingredients to get to that point. Well, I'm sure you get, depending on what you use, you get trace elements out of it, some flavonoids that come in there and that probably gives it a little bit more of a, you know, characteristic, but also what you add back into it, you don't have to add water. You could add something else. You add Gatorade to it, you know? Yeah. For loco. For loco. You get for loco it. Um, <laughs> So I just think it's pretty neat. Uh, we'll I wonder if Four Loco is ever going to go carbon neutral. <laughs> but I imagine this is just the tip of the iceberg. You're going to see a lot of brands just say, hey, shit, we can make something with the same process, you know? Yeah, and it's just such an in vogue thing now to be carbon neutral or carbon negative. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. A lot of these companies are going to start finding ways to, you know, do things this way and, and just be able to brand themselves as being environmentally friendly or carbon neutral, carbon negative. And that's well, a big selling point. Think of how much material you have to grow to be able to ferment, to be able to distill out, to make vodka. Now you don't have to go through that whole process and you're just taking water or whatever and you're pulling it out of there. So now you cut out all that, you know, the fertilizer, the farming, the, the water you use on a product that's not going to be eaten, right? So now you're saving space, on a crop that can be eaten instead of used in this product that you're just going to drink for luxury. What about like leftover salad bar food? They probably make that too. Why don't they make vodka out of that? It's just like, you know, you get one day in the salad bar, everything's left over, just throw it into a vat and make some sort of liqueur out of it. Make whatever you want out of it. It's crazy. Right? Yeah. hundred percent usage of, uh, of foods, but yeah, it's, it, it, it brings up like, so you think about, creating something so i have a we have a friend that that works for a company that um i'm not even gonna say what kind of company i don't know but <laughs> i don't know if i can so i'll just say that there's a product that they use in a lot of their in a lot of products in a lot of other products and they make fragrances and, and flavors and things like that so one of the things that they make is grown. So you have the natural version and then you have the fake version, right? Well, the fake version uh, smells and tastes just like the natural one that's grown, but uh, the fake version is less detrimental on the environment because now you're growing all these crops and you have you know, fertilization, water usage, all this other stuff just for something you're, you're smelling or, or, or tasting, you know? So, yeah. Pretty interesting to think about like that yeah it's crazy we will see what happens but yeah there's going to be a lot of i think people are looking more to to take advantage of this and, and be like this and you know maybe this beyond me thing seems a little disgusting maybe this could be a positive thing that we're, well, we're doing for the environment well thing is too it's not just the environment like we we have a larger we have a growing population to feed you know that's not going to stop it's true yeah. I mean, how, how do you keep feeding people on the same amount of crops that you're growing? We have to eat our dead. At some point, so you're either going to go to Soylent Green or you're going to have to create room for stuff you're going to eat by doing products like this, you know? Soylent Green is people. Soylent Green is people. 
delicious, delicious people. We're back to eating people again. Uh, it's, it's super efficient if you think about it, really. It, it is, right? Yeah, you're not going to eat as much. Well, that's just like, think, you know, it's pretty funny. Like, people don't ever think about, like, so the water you're drinking at some time was probably some persons or animals' bowels that they got rid of and they got recycled back into the air. And then 5,000%. Yeah. We don't want to think about it. We always want to turn a blind eye and we think about like, you know, those stupid Fiji ass water commercials. See people in Fiji don't take dumps. People in Fiji <laughs> take dumps and they make your water. There, there are times sometimes where, where like you, you have a water fountain and then it's outside of the bathroom and then you hear the bathroom flush and the water fountain like loses pressure a little bit. Right. And that's when you start putting two and two together that all the piping is the same. So the same water that's going into your toilet, which is pretty bad because it's drinking water that's going into your toilet. Um, is the same water that you're drinking from the fountain. So when you tell people that grosses them out because they think like it's all the same. It's like, no, it's only going in. Like, so it goes into the toilet. It doesn't backwash into the fountain unless they really messed up the routing of those pipes. But mm. uh, you're drinking the same water that goes in the toilet. Hey, they fucked up in Flint. Right. They fucked I mean, up in other places. Right. Yeah. So next time you want some purified water from the taint of the mountain just think about that's been somewhere else it's true but nature figured it out yeah nature nature purified it for you somehow that's right they sure did well on to a less disgusting topic (laughs) let's go to ski news because i don't think we have anything in the console this week do we now we don't no we're rolling this week we got to get through this we got a nice a great interview that uh we want to get to and, and stop messing around and wasting you good folks' time. Well, there's too much other stuff in politics going on right now. So they're, they're keeping quiet on the gondola stuff. It's going to come out by the time the election hits next year. So it's, it's going to come fast and furious, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Big time. First off, hmm. now this, I think a lot of people have heard about this. Yeah. This Backcountry.com is suing anyone who uses, the, uses their namesake, uses the term backcountry. This is so ridiculous and obnoxious. So this is like LeBron saying he's going to patent or coin uh, Taco Tuesday. Can't do it. Uh, like this is now. I don't know. Do you know what Backcountry started as a company? I mean, they've been around for a long time, definitely. But they have been suing people now, and they filed for a trademark to protect the word Backcountry. Wow. Uh, since then, the company has filed dozens of lawsuits and protests within the U.S. Patent and Trade Office targeting businesses that have trademarked the word backcountry. How can they target businesses that have already trademarked? Excuse me, See, trademarked use, that name. But if you use backcountry, they actually have to probably have a really it's a stretch of an argument, but they would have to argue that you're confusing backcountry with backcountry.com. So I don't go ski in the backcountry.com. I go ski in the backcountry. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It, they were founded in 1996. Yeah, 1996. Okay. So no one was actually in the backcountry before them. Yeah, right. And never existed. Yeah. Nobody hunted in the backcountry. Nobody skied in the backcountry. It was just before that website started, no one ever thought to go back there and call it that. So I guess what they're suing is, is so backcountry.com, and this is kind of bullshit. So they're, they actually started suing anybody with backcountry in the name. So, for example, backcountry denim, uh, backcountry e-bikes, uh, backcountry babes. Um, 
you know, a female evac uh, education clinic, uh, market backcountry skis. So anything with backcountry, they've gone and, and started suing them. But I'm like, how? I think it's a stretch to say that they're trading off of your namesake. I like the quote the guy from, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, from Backcountry Denim says, my feeling is that nobody should have the right to the term backcountry, says right. Jordan Phillips, owner of Backcountry Denim in an article by the Colorado Sun. It's like trying to trademark road or beach or mountain. Yeah. It's just such a generic term. Right. How is that even trademarkable? Well, think about it. If, you're, if the name of your company was Mountain Denim, would you be able to, would you allow somebody to say, oh, you're mountain.com. I'm going to let you trademark mountains so nobody can use it in their name. It just seems odd. Now it's a, it's always gross when somebody does that. That's like us trying to trademark ski bum. Yeah. Or highfalutin. It's just, it's words that exist. We just threw them together. Well, here's the messed up part though, is like, even if you trademark it, you have to go sue these people to uphold your trademark. And that's the reason, you know, so if you don't sue them, they're going to say, well, you don't really have a claim to it because everybody's been using it and you haven't done anything about it. Just kind of another weird concept too. Yeah, it's really obnoxious. But the backcountry e-bike company, they settled in there and they changed their name to Baku, Baku e-bikes. Oh, they just is, took a few letters off the end? That's strange. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, my first thought I was concerned about, there's a company, there's a cannabis dispensary out in Crested Butte that's called Backcountry Cannabis. And I wonder if these dickheads are going to go after them now. Uh, you know, they're going to hold strong and be like, just ignore the entire lawsuit. Yeah. I mean, this really makes me, you know, I've, I have definitely spent a ton of money at backcountry.com in the past. You know, I've bought jackets, gloves, poles, clothes. I, I would get the call when they gave me a new gearhead. Yeah, they give you that tasty 20% off coupon all the time. Yeah. I chat with them when I was looking for shit for... I bought bike shit and ski shit off of there. It's crazy. My fancy Yeti backpack cooler. That's where I got it from because Boom. of that 20% off coupon. Yep. And I got to be honest. I don't think I'm going to shop there anymore because of this. Like this really pisses me off. Like this is a dick, dick, dick move by this company. And they obviously, I understand why they're doing it. Uh, as so coming from a capitalist point of view, but I think as someone trying to be an ambassador to the outdoor world and always talk about how they're, you know, we love the outdoors. Like our company is, you know, outdoor first, we do these events, we do biking and hiking and skiing and snowboarding. That's what they're promoting. That's their ethos. That's their brand. They and be now, as long as you don't call yourself back country, but now they're going after people for like yeah. a generic term like that. I mean, that's, that really paints them in a bad light. I just think it's really weird that they would, try to coin backcountry. I mean, they're known as backcountry.com. That's totally different than backcountry. Backcountry pancakes. You're going to say you own that too? I mean... Yeah, it's backcountry cafe in Killington. Yeah. Like, so... That's like the Taco Tuesday thing. That's why that infuriated me. I'm like, you can't coin Taco Tuesday. Everybody's using it, you know? Yeah. But I guess if you get a judge and a bunch of dickheads that, that say you can, then you can win it in the court of law. But... And according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, the first known use of the term was in 1746. 1746 was the first time the word was used. And now 
all of a sudden, these guys founded in 1996 are going to sue and be able to trademark it. It's nonsense. So I think we've done a good amount of research for the defense on this. I think we should get some kickback on defense fees. Well, what's our hourly fee we charge? We charge oh, 500 an hour, right? 500 an hour. We probably charge like a half hour. I mean, yeah. we've thought about it. Well, I, I posted on Twitter responding to this, this initial article post by Snowbrains. And I was like, that country, I'm like, more like back country, am I right? <laughs> and that got some love from a lot of people. So that's awesome. Yeah, people are just like, this is an annoying dick move. Yeah. I mean, and I like back country. They got good stuff on there and I've shot there, but I don't know. I'm, I think I'm with you. Depending on how this goes, I may, may or may not continue shopping there. I just, uh, I don't like the idea of them going after other companies and saying they own backcountry as a as a term. So like backcountry access, you know, they make backpacks and yeah, you know, beacons. Like, are they going to sue yeah. them too? Right. I mean, that's a big company too. What are they going to sue them? I mean, it's I bullshit. BCA has been around for almost longer than backcountry.com. Yeah, it, it's completely ridiculous. I don't know how you're allowed to do that. And I guess the part that really infuriates me and more scares me than anything is if you let it happen with this, then where does it end? Then the coining other phrase. And then and then nobody can say or do anything in the fucking world because somebody owns the English language, which is just retarded to me. It's a slippery slope once you let one person get away with this. Yeah. yeah 100%. It's horrible. You know, I mean, what, what are we doing to ourselves as a society when, when that happens? So, I don't know. Totally agree. So fuck you, backcountry.com. That's what we yeah. say. Fuck that guy. Fuck, fuck <laughs> you, Richard. Fuck you in the ass. Fuck you in the ass, backcountry.com. <laughs> All right, moving on to some um, more happier fun, news. Happier news. Uh, North Carolina ski area wins the race to be the first ski resort in the East to open, beating Killington by only a few hours. Chattahoochee ski area in North Carolina was the first resort in the East, east of the Mississippi to open for the 2019-2020 season. Chattahoochee. Have you ever skied there? No. Um, I got to see where that is. I mean, I skied all around North Carolina. I, don't, I think this is... I don't know if this is in the same area, unless this is a rename. I skied Sugar Beach Appalachian, I think, is... One up there. Yeah, they opened two hours earlier than Killington. <laughs> they opened at 8.30. Ah, uh, uh, that's... Last Saturday. They had to do it, man. They had to do it to get the uh, the little jab in on them. Yeah, well, it's the little guy kind of, you know, the David and Goliath coming in and David coming in and opening a little bit earlier. Was that what uh, the whole A-Basin fight, right? Same idea? Yeah, A-Basin kind of jumping in and uh, beating Keystone this year. Huh. But yeah, this... So they actually closed, I guess, right after Chattahoochee and is reopening on the 9th. Yeah, I guess they had a. They must have had a snowstorm. I think they said they had good conditions for snow, uh, snow making, and they just got the guns out so they could open. And then um, they're going to continue making snow this week because they're having more cold. And uh, hey, good for them, man! Everybody wants to get a good ski season. Might as well. Uh... Yeah, it's crazy that they pulled this off because right like today the high was sixty four degrees. So I don't yeah. know how they managed to pull that off, but good on them. Are you looking at the map where they are? Yeah, I'm looking at the map. So it looks like if you were, it's uh, probably about 
30 miles west of Asheville. <clears throat> right, west of Asheville. Almost like Asheville, and you're heading up towards Knoxville. Is that Knoxville, Tennessee, or Knoxville, North Carolina? I think that's Tennessee. Somehow they managed to pull this off. Yeah, that's a different area because I was in Boone. Boone's way further north than that, yeah. Yeah, that's way down there. But you know what it is? Those mountains are just, uh, they're big-ass mountains. Oh, yeah. We're over, we're like, uh, close to a mile up, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you get up in those mountains and it's just, yeah, Beach Banner Elk, that's all up to the, and Boone, that's all the way. That's where I skied before. Okay. So it was a good hour, hour and a half southwest of where yeah. you were. Yeah. And Little Switzerland, mountains. North Carolina. Yeah. And you're in the mountains, so it's like. You really got to follow the, the the road. The road passes there. Oh yeah, but good for them. Uh, glad people are skiing out there. I, I got gangster move. This year, I'm thinking I got to go up and uh, maybe ski the Carolinas or ski West Virginia this year. Why not? Right or, or Gatlinburg? Gatlinburg actually, <laughs> with the look of my schedule this year, the Gatlinburg weekend, Urban Ski Weekend, may have to happen. I gotta look. It's February, right? Oh, it's definitely it's Super Bowl weekend. Oh yeah, two thousand. I already said. Oh, two thousand twenty. I keep forgetting. We roll into the next year. Uh, St. January thirty first. Yeah, I think the Super Bowl is early this year. I'm yeah, pretty January thirty sure first through the February third. Yeah, it's always Super Bowl weekend. Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. <laughs> all right we got one more story left in the ski news and this is really cool and it's a it's a nice long article which i only read part of but it's also got a, a video a little mini film attached to it and it's from the good folks over at free skier and what they did is the article is called the hills are alive and that's what the video is called too and it's pretty much a bunch of dudes from free skier going out to austria to the town of Altenmarkt and going to the atomic factory. Oh, nice. And they were there for a couple of days. They had exclusive access and they were able to see the process of, you know, making skis and boots and, you know, seeing the, the folks who were in charge of testing the gear and designing it and just learning about the company and their ethos, their, their brand, what they're all about. And it's it's really cool just seeing that behind the scenes, seeing how the you know the wood is cut and the metal applied, and the process of of making these skis at you know one of the you know the biggest ski companies in the world. Nice. It says they make about four hundred thousand pairs annually at this facility. Wow. So yeah, the, the one here in uh, Altenmarkt is it's their offices and their factory. So it's. Everything is done there. That's pretty cool. And they yeah. have a lot of um, athletes that they um, sponsor too, right? So I'm sure they make a lot of custom stuff for those people. Oh, they have tons of big names, yeah. Uh, they, cool. they were talking about using the, the bench headlers there. But, you know, like Sage, he's one of their skiers. You know, uh, yeah, Chris Benchedler, Nick McNutt. Like all these big, big names are on the Atomic Free Skier roster. Wow. And then talked about them going out and Kitzsteinhorn Glacier is about 40 minutes down the road. 
I think all sorts of skis too. I mean, you, you start thinking about all different because when I was in Italy, um, I wound up renting skis and the guy was like, he talked me into um, the skis to rent. He's like, no, these are the best ones for the, this area and stuff. And I was like, whatever. I don't know who the hell this guy was. Well, I found out who the hell that guy was. He was like, he, he placed third in the uh, World, uh, World Cup one year back in his heyday. Um, and even went to the Olympics and all. So I was like, oh shit. Yeah. So that's who that guy was. And, um, Eduardo, and he's a, a, uh, an Italian guy named Eduardo. So I was like, all right, whatever. I thought that was a interesting thing, but, uh, he gave me these atomics that were, um, they were not racing skis, but they were, uh, carving skis. I tell okay. you what, those things were freaking fantastic. They just boom, right down. You know, if you're on a, a regular run, you just have a lot of fun carving down the mountain. It was, it was actually pretty fun. Yeah. We have such ski girth envy now these days. Like we're always trying to get the bigger, fatter skis. And it's, you know, a lot of times it's not really the right tool for the job. You don't need the fat skis if you're staying on the, uh, on the on, groomed runs. Yeah. Seriously. Right. You know, I mean the carving skis were, I gotta say, I thought they were going to be bullshit and I was going to hate them. I thought it'd be stiff and whatever. And they something fatter, bro. They were freaking awesome, man. Awesome. <laughs> I like the uh, the sign Atomic Shasa. And that was that cool. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a cool story. So yeah, the video is fun to check out, and I, I love just seeing that behind the scenes, the factory, and and seeing the raw materials that get turned into these skis. It's it's a pretty neat process. So we'll have this posted in the show notes if you want to check it out at skibumpodcast.com. And now we're going to roll into our main topic. Now, we had a fan of ours reach out, uh, Hunter Roberts, and he had a pretty awesome tale that of him and his plans this winter. So, you know, we'll let the interview progress and you can hear about it. But it's an inspiring story. He's had a cool ski life, and we think you're going to enjoy it. We had uh, a listener write into us and, you know, people write into us, but some people have actually really interesting, fascinating tales. And this one, I think, is going to be very inspiring to a lot of people. I know it's been inspiring to us. We've been going back and forth, introducing Hunter Roberts. Hunter, welcome to the podcast. Thank you again for writing to us. Hey, guys. And happy to be here. I can't welcome wait aboard. to hear your tale because we have we have some details but I think you're going to go in a little deeper and give us the whole the whole shebangy bang. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So I, I, I'm super lucky. We, you know, I've been in the ski industry most of my life. It's a uh, it's a big part of who I am. Uh, it's how my wife and I met, and uh, we actually got married uh, just at the base of Alpine Meadows there. Um, nice. So nice. it's been a big part of my life. And we're lucky enough this year, uh, I own a place in the East Bay in San Francisco, and our tenant doesn't move out until May. So we're just going to go be ski bums in Squaw Valley for the winter. I'm going to take my kids. I've got three kids, 14, five, and two and a half. And uh, we're just going to go see what it's like to be ski bums for the winter. That That is, that is nice. That is really cool. So what... Was there any sort of event that let you that that kind of was almost like a sign from above saying, "Okay, this is the time. Do it now." 
Yeah, I mean, you guys talk about Warren Miller's quote all the time. Yeah, you know, if you don't do it this year, you'll just be one year older when you do. And uh, I'm a big Warren Miller fan, and that's been something that's uh, that's always sat in the back of my brain. So uh, we had the opportunity to do it this year. My my wife is uh, is a, a neonatologist in the NICU. And she's moving to a new hospital in San Francisco. We've got our house out there. And wow. because we don't have, uh, you know, because we don't, because we can't get into the house until May because of our tenant, we decided to just go live in Tahoe for the winter. That's a good opportunity to do that. And you know what? It was my wife's idea, which is fantastic. Oh, you better. You did a good job then. Did yeah, you like man, do the subliminal out. thing, like tell her while she's sleeping, like <laughs> we will move out? Maybe <laughs> I did. Have all, like, Maybe the, I the, did. The Uller medallions like all around her when she went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think subliminally I probably did somewhere along the line. Tahoe Our, pictures hidden throughout the the place, right? So she sees them all the time. Oh yeah, and I've got the you know we have the ski pictures in our bathroom. We have the ski oh, pictures nice. all over our house, even though we live in Brooklyn right now. Uh, it kind of feels like a ski house sometimes. Oh, sweet. So how long have you been in Brooklyn? Uh, we've been in Brooklyn, uh, for eight years now. I actually met my wife. I was living in Killington at the time, working for Killington. Oh, nice. Um, I know that's you, I know that's your like old home resort. Yeah. Uh, so if you know, uh, sharpshooters, I was the, uh, yeah, no, I see it. There you go. <laughs> I was managing sharpshooters, the photography company up on the hill up there. Oh, oh yeah. Nice. And uh, that's when we met through uh, through a mutual friend that was coming up to uh, coming up to ski and visit. I worked for the uh, I worked for the theater company down in um, down in White River Junction. And uh, she came up to see a show that one of our mutual friends was participating in. And uh, that's when we met. So everything has kind of been based around ski for us. And I lived there for a couple of years while we did the long distance thing. And she was going to uh, med school at Columbia down here in New York. And that's why I made the move to New York. Wow. That's a pretty cool story there. And, you know, I, I think about people who are in the medical field. I have a, a sister-in-law who's a nurse. And now I, we've mentioned in the podcast before. We didn't really get into skiing till we were a little bit older. Like Mario, you were like in your in college, right? When you started. Eighteen. Yep. Like when you really like I mean, we all did it as kids, but like when you really did it. And I know I was like in my late twenties when I started. And I think I really would have changed my entire career path had I thought about this earlier. I really yeah. just throw shit at the wall. There's no much planning for skiing in your life. You just kinda it was there as like a little pastime, like you go bike riding or to the beach, right? Uh, and I think that's amazing because I've listened to almost every episode of, of your podcast. Thank and you congratulations, by the way, 183 episodes now. Thanks, man. Yeah. Did you know you guys are uh, listed on the top 20 skiing podcasts? You must follow on uh, what's the website here on feedspot.com. You guys are listed as the top 20 skiing podcast you must listen to. To be perfectly honest. We really should be in the top five. <laughs> have you heard some of the skiing podcasts? Yeah, I have. Oh, I have. Wow. <laughs> now, if you, if you subscribe to our friend Matt Pepin's newsletter, it's all downhill, which we'll have we have links to on the website and his Twitter at Matt Pep 15. He had in his last newsletter, we interviewed him. He mentioned the link in his notes and he said, 
It's his favorite skiing podcast. And he is a man. He is a journalist. He is unbiased. And he's rated us the number one ski podcast. So that is our feed burner that we use. You know what, guys? You should be very proud of what you guys have put together. The fact Thank that you. you're still podcasting 183 episodes in, that's that's a big commitment. Thanks, man. Uh, I appreciate it, that. It, it really is. It really is. And I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed listening to every episode. And I love the fact that you guys started skiing late in the game because we need more people like you. If this yeah. industry is going to continue, we need more people to come in and ski and keep skiing. I think uh, you guys did an episode uh, a few back talking about, um, you know, with some ski instructors about uh, 20% of people that start the, that that have their first uh, lesson, uh, only 20% of people will actually continue skiing. Uh, so it's really great to hear that you guys have not only, you know, started skiing later in life, but have really embraced it. I mean, to the point that you have one of the best podcasts in the ski industry. Thanks, Thank man. You. Appreciate wow. that. Well, you know, we, uh, it's one of those things like you just, when you get that calling in your life, you just, you just have to answer it when it comes to you, you know, like some people, you know, Kai Jones, look at this guy. He's launching off cliffs at 12 years old in Jackson hole. You know, yeah. <laughs> we, we were not those guys. That was not the, uh, that was not our destiny. It was to slog through life for a decade or two. And then, finally have the the calling yeah i thought yeah. i got i thought i got started late i started really about nine i think i think wow. my 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 grandfather uh, uh was um was very instrumental in a little tiny ski resort in north carolina called ski beach some I've of your it. Uh, oh, right yeah, on you're man. an app state beach. guy right yeah yeah uh <laughs> i didn't go to app state Mario went to App State. So, oh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you're so you know number Boone. 20. So you're you're from Boone. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Number twenty-one, App State. I love it, man. The rank. Uh, my grandfather was sort of instrumental in actually creating the town of Ski Beach, and in oh, nice. uh, the 1975-76 season, uh, Ski Beach was looking at bankruptcy, as was Sugar Mountain, just around the corner. Wow. And the uh, bankruptcy judge. Uh, basically would only allow the ski resort to keep keep working if my grandfather took over for the season. So nice. he he kind of had no idea what he was doing. Uh, he'd never run a ski resort before, but he took over for the 75, 76 uh, ski season and took a $1 salary for the year and wow. saved the resort from bankruptcy. So for those of you guys who ski at Ski Beach, you can you can thank my grandfather for that. That's great. I remember being up there and there were a lot of people in North Carolina at app that were like, they never skied before. I'm like, you guys got to go, you know, like get, just get out. Cause I had transferred there from Buffalo. So I was fresh off of 30 to 40 day seasons. And then I go down to North Carolina. I'm like, I got to ski somewhere. It was right there. Um, pretty good mountains, you know, to, to get out and get started or get some, some runs in. Um, yeah. It's the ice coast, man. It, like those, yeah. of us, those of us that learned on the ice coast are the best skiers. That's yeah. for sure. You know, you, you can handle all that terrain. Yeah. Beautiful country up there. And that's pretty cool that he, he helped save that, that area. Yeah. That's, Amazing. that's, that, that's kind of what got me into skiing in the first place. We had a, we had a house up there. So we spent our Christmases there and all of our summers there. And that's where I learned to ski and started as a racer there actually ended up training with some guys that ended up going to the Olympics. So I trained with some Olympic wow. skiers. My, my mom was nice enough. I lived in Atlanta 
uh, at the time. So my mom was nice enough to make the drive after school on Friday night. We'd make the five and a half, six hour drive straight up to Beach Mountain. Ski That's for dedication, man. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm very lucky. And wow. ski for Saturday, half a Sunday and make the drive back for school. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah, I remember from Charlotte, it was like two and a half hours because uh, my brother lived there. And then I lived in Charlotte for a while. Five hours. That's quite a ride. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's a tiny mountain. It's uh, it's got a great feel. It's one of those places you guys always talk about being uh, being Jersey guys. I've uh, <laughs> we've had our we've had we've had our family season passes out at Mountain Creek. So I know that I know that route as yep. well. And <laughs> Good it was old a 94, right? Yep. It was a lot of dudes, a lot of dudes in jeans and starter jackets. Yeah. Hey, midweek, that's a great place to go. It's magical. There's like nobody there. It's great. I, I dial back magical. It's magical. <laughs> oh, <this. laughs> Compared to the weekend, it's magic. I used to live up there. I mean, but you know, the new hotel that they put in there is fantastic. You can go and park the car. With, I have little kids, so you can go and park the car, stay in the uh, stay in the condo right there, slope side, and uh, enjoy the weekend with your kids without having to drive anywhere. And it's really yeah. nice. And yeah, you know, I mean, the unfortunate thing about it, about Mountain Creek, and you know, a place like Beach Mountain is. Now again, I we're not making this political. I'm not I'm not a scientist. Look at me, of course, obviously. You've heard me talking. <laughs> you know I'm not a scientist. But I wonder if places like these are they going to be affected if the weather does stay warmer. You know, I know, you know, the elevation at beach looks like it's about 5,000 feet, which Yeah, is we're good. we're we're over a mile high at beach. Yeah, it's yeah. actually it's actually the highest ski resort uh, east of the Rockies. No kidding. Look at yeah. that. Wow, but again, unfortunately, uh, you know, it's a real, it's a crapshoot then with the weather there, because right now it's saying it's 52, but they're going to be opening in 32 days. So I'm sure they have some really advanced snowmaking there. I think, I think I talked to someone this past week that said Snowshoe in West Virginia has the best, highest capacity snowmaking anywhere in the East, just because they really need to, because, you know, they're, again, it's a hit or miss depending on those weather patterns. If it's a little too warm, they can't make the snow. They're not going to have anything. Um, so that's that's the unfortunate thing about resorts that are just that that it's almost like a band that goes across southern New York and south that it's you just don't know how many days you're going to get. And again, I don't know if it's changing. I'm not a climate scientist. I'm not going to make it political. Like, <laughs> I just wish there were people that we could all just look at this from like a just an honest, uncharged point of view and figure out, you know, what we can do. Is this is this something we can do, really? And yeah. You know, is there something there or is it just us kind of looking for something? Yeah, I mean, up there pretty wild. Like you get all sorts of weather. Like I remember being living up there. I mean, and, you know, um, it's you just get rain, then you get snow and you get sunshine all in the same day. It's crazy, crazy weather. Yeah, it is. It is crazy weather up there because of the altitude and, you know, because of the fact that they're in the southeast. But, yeah, I'm with you, uh, Brian. Like I. I really want people who live in the Southeast to have that chance to go ski that can't afford to get on a plane and go out to Colorado. Uh, I, I, even though I trained with, you know, like U S ski team and a a bunch of Olympians as a racer, I had never skied Colorado until college. Essentially. Uh, I, I decided to go to Colorado, Colorado mountain college out in uh, the spring Valley campus and nice, nice choice because I just, I just had to go chase the snow. You could do a lot worse, right? 
Yeah, you could. You could. <laughs> All right. So back to your your move. Okay, this is this is so cool, and I love this. Now, what made you choose to go out to Squaw? Well, so like I said before, my wife and I, my wife is from the uh, the peninsula. So she's from like the, the, the Menlo Park area, uh, like what is basically, you know, Silicon Valley. Okay. Uh, so she's from that area. Uh, we got married at River Ranch, which if you've ever floated the Truckee, that's where you end up. The uh, If you float the Truckee, you end up at River Ranch. And it's right there at the base road uh, uh, of what is it? Uh, 80, uh, uh, Highway 80. And uh, the entrance to uh, Alpine Meadows. So okay. we got married up there. Uh, one of our first trips together when we were first dating was a Squaw Valley trip. After she'd come to visit me in Killington, she's like, hey, let's go out to Squaw Valley. I'm like, okay, that sounds pretty good. Let's do that. <laughs> Squaw is one of the best, uh, one of the best resorts I've ever skied all over the world. It really is amazing. The, the terrain is amazing. Alpine's amazing. You've got Homewood right down the street. Uh, some really great terrain. Uh, so being that close to family, we knew that was the place that we were going to end up. So the fact that we have the house just down the road, two and a half hours down in the East Bay, uh, it just made sense this winter to go have a little bit of fun. You mentioned that you have kids. I do. Now, what is uh, How is that going to work out with them in terms of like schooling and... So, so that's why we're doing it this year. That's one of the parts of the, that's a good question. That's one of the parts that, uh, made the decision for us. So our, my two youngest are five years old and, uh, two and a half years old. And here in New York, uh, my five-year-old qualifies for kindergarten. But when we moved to, she was born on new year's Eve. So she's just on the cutoff oh, wow. to make kindergarten here. When we moved to California, she will not qualify for kindergarten. So she's going to restart kindergarten next year. I'm going to do a little bit of homeschooling. Uh, my wife has the new job with UCSF down in San Francisco. And, you know, we're going to do a little bit of uh, we're, we're going to do a little bit of work to make everything happen. That's pretty everything's cool. a, everything's a little bit of a sacrifice, but my five-year-old's already signed up. We got our icon passes. My five-year-old signed up at ski school at Squaw. I can't think of a I can't think of a better way to spend a winter. Well, the fourteen year old. So you have a fourteen year old as well, right? I do. Yeah. So my fourteen year old is with with my ex wife, and he's a huge skier. That's one of the things that we really share together. He oh. spends uh, he spends the summers with us and most of the holidays. So he'll be out for Christmas. He'll be out for President's Day week. He'll be out for Spring Break week, and then we'll have him during the summer as well. Okay, nice. so that makes that a little bit easier than not having to to get, shuffle him into Relocate. schools right yeah. in the middle of the what would be like a freshman year of high school. Exactly. Yeah. Be. He yeah he's a he's a freshman yeah. in high school. So uh, that that's one of the things that we waited for before we made the move. Uh, now that he's fourteen, he can actually fly by himself on most airlines. Right. So that that it's was like something that we cut off. Right. Yeah, that was that was something we waited waited for so that it would make things easier. You can always fly private too, right? Right into Tahoe. Boom. <laughs> Just jump on the jet. Send out, send out the ski bum jet. Peterborough and... to Tahoe. Boom. That's the way to go. <laughs> I do. I have a good friend who flies. I, I have a good friend who flies, but his he can only fly a plane with about four seats in it. So uh, yeah, that takes a while. Him, too. your son, and a few buddies. That's <laughs> you got to right? have one paying customer to support everything, right? <laughs> there you go. You mentioned in the homeschooling thing, and I, I, 
I started joking with my wife because we have a two year old. He's yeah. about just over two right now. And I, I joked about homeschooling him when he was born. And I've noticed my conversations about it are becoming less jokey and more serious <laughs> now. Because and I'm trying to just in my head come up with like curriculum ideas for and, and one of the perfect examples that I came up with was Tahoe to be like, hey, let's go out to Tahoe on a trip, you know, as just like we're out there for a month and we'll talk about the whole, you know, American history, the gold rush, how it led to the, you know, that whole period of time. Oh, we're at the Donner Pass. But why is Donner, it Pass, Donner Pass? Yeah, right. And gonna go into the whole history. <laughs> go to a nice it. restaurant. Maybe, Donner maybe, Pass. maybe a darker history there in the Donner Pass. But so while well, you're eating a nice a... steak at a restaurant, you're like, well, you know what they ate back so in the day. That's probably more after he's at least ten years old to have that conversation versus <laughs> yeah. uh, a four-year-old probably. Let's but yeah, like crap at him. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to make myself make our family nomadic, which. Of course, I'm the only one who's interested in this right now, but I'm just trying to find people who are yeah, not, maybe not necessarily living all in vans. I know this hashtag van life. People think this is yeah, like no, that, that's a bit much for kids. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome in theory, too. I, I think there was some article in I forget one of the ski magazines last year talked about it. They're like, hey, it was fun, but I would never do it again. Yeah. Because, you know, <laughs> it's not like it's almost like a... try going camping for a month and you're like, I just want freaking walls and. And a shower, a toilet, and a yeah. shower. You know, yeah. And, like yeah. It's, and of course, you're not talking about a pristine, like half a million dollar van. You know, how many people exactly. could really afford that? It's like a, those million dollar know, campers or something. You know, the uh, motorhomes. That's a little different. That's one thing, yeah. But yeah, but but if yeah. you have, if you can afford that, why don't you just stay at an awesome condo, hotel, something instead? Yeah, exactly. you, you, we, we've time, talked right? about that actually. Save like, do we do we travel in an RV or do we just use the money to stay in a hotel? Um, but we were lucky enough. We did a, a seasonal rental. We're in Tahoma, like five minutes from the base of Homewood. I don't know if you guys know Homewood, but it's a fantastic little spot. Um, right. We're right by the West Shore Cafe. It's a uh, it's a really good spot, and we actually uh, right in our backyard we're right by the cross country trails that were actually used for the 1960 uh, Olympic games up there. So we're right on those cross country trails. I have no idea how to cross country ski, but I'm going to learn. This is the perfect time, right? And you know what? I tell you what we talk about all the time. I'm like, I would love to learn how to cross country ski. Cause I'm really big on learning something I can do later in life. Like as I get older, like you could probably cross country ski, you know, well into your old age. Um, Dude, there's I just Norwegians never... doing it that are like 105 years old. Oh, it's crazy. That's why they're living until 105, you know? Well, it's that or they commit suicide early. That's Those are the two extremes of Norway. <laughs> they have you a really high weed suicide rate. But they also have a, they also, it's also the happiest place in the world. So, you know, yin and yang. It is. That's true, right? Yeah. Uh, I've yeah. heard that. It is like one of the happiest places in the world and, and a place that is uh, shrouded in darkness, like darkness and snow half the year. But they're happy yeah. so it's not that, the snow's fault it's the dark right so that should tell you something yeah we were there in the summertime my family because yeah. my, my father-in-law lives out there now and it's you know what's crazy about it you know obviously being in brooklyn you're going to appreciate this there's just so many less people like so many fewer <laughs> people oslo has you know the biggest city has seven hundred thousand people i mean brooklyn has what how many millions of people I, I don't know. I think Manhattan alone is like 8 million in an island that's about a mile wide by nine miles long. Uh, it's, 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 it's a lot. And isn't it like 14 million during a workday? 
Maybe oh yeah, oh it doubles. Yeah, yeah, it doubles. I mean, you're you're in Jersey, right? So five like, million. Yeah, so I'm in yeah. Jersey City for work. So yeah, I'm right yeah. across the water. So you know that everybody is making that commute across the uh, 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 either either through the tunnel or the George Washington Bridge. They're making that commute. So it yeah, the population doubles That's during nothing. the day. Yeah. So that whole country has, I think, like two million people, maybe, and it's oh, gigantic. That sounds that sounds lovely. It's really wow. kind of nice, and you know, there's see, but by by living out there, you're going to be able to say, hey, you know, there's snow on the ground. I don't, you know, maybe you're not going to go to the ski mountain. You're going to do some cross country, you know, because every time we talk about it, we're like, I can't burn a good ski day. Bingo. That's <laughs> you know? the problem with snowmobiling, with cross country skiing, all those other do it awesome all, snow but, things. Yeah. It's like, hey, man, I'd love to do that, but I got to get my turns in because I only get so many days in the snow. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, uh, you know, I'm branding myself the snow dad. That's uh, that's kind of my thing now. I, I really want to make this a part of the rest of my life. Uh, it's been a part of my life since I was a little kid. Uh, and I've always looked for you know, you know, what is my, what is my next thing now that we're moving out there for my wife's job? Uh, what can I do? And this is, you know, this has been something that just kind of, uh, like you said, kind of came out of the blue threw itself on my face and I'm going to throw myself all in. And, uh, I want my kids to enjoy the stuff that is my passion. I got to say the, like the fact that you actually are, are having those conversations to say, what's our next step, right? You know, Brian, and I obviously have done it. Like, I constantly do it. I think I've, you know, I have friends that are like, dude, you've reinvented yourself like a few times. And it's like, yeah, because, you know, your life changes and you want to do different things. You know, I freaking moved down to Florida. Like people are like, why the hell are you doing that? And I'm like, well, I'm going to see how this goes, you know? Um, but, you know, the fact that you're having those conversations, some people never have those conversations and they may look 20 years later and they're like, shit, I, I really wanted to do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, you got to, that whole Warren Miller saying, you know, if you don't do it today, you know, the, the part that is understood about that, you could also be dead and you never get a chance to do it, you know? So I see yeah. those people every day on the ferry, on the commute to work, just going, <laughs> just going to Wall yeah. Street. They've been doing it for 35 people years. off They're about checking snow. The daily like, why news. do you live here then? You know, and I, I see them every day on the R train. So oh. I understand. Yeah. They're just looking at the like New zombies. York Post every day and like, oh, I see the Jets are playing today. I wonder if they're going to win. You know, it's like the same thing every day. It's, I am not going to let my life end up that way. No way yeah. in goddamn hell. No, and you know, and you guys are my age, so I love that as well. That you know, you're not the the twenty year olds that are uh, just interviewing a bunch of professional skiers. You guys, yeah, I, I love, I love your format. I love the way that you're just in, interested in talking about the lifestyle that that surrounds skiing, riding, and everything that is snow. That's that's what's so great about this, man. It's a, it's a lifestyle. And yeah. it really is fantastic from the apres ski. And you can do that with your kids. You guys had a nice episode just a few ago um, talking about you don't have to apres without your kids. You can you right. can take your kids and apres and they can enjoy that as well. They can have a hot dog and they can have some some, uh, you know, they can have some hot chocolate and enjoy examples. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And enjoy the apres with and you. And honestly, those are those fond memories that you remember as an adult that you're like, we got to apres because I remember the hot chocolate or you have a fond memory when you're little of doing something in the snow, you know, oh, I, sh I sure do. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, I never went skiing until I was 18, but I always loved like we would be out 
sledding and cut, I'd come home and my mom makes some hot chocolate. It was like, oh, that's great. You know, that was my apres sledding, you know? Okay. So you translate that as you get older. And now I'm like, apres ski, of course. You know? Apres sled. Yep. I mean, that's what, in Atlanta, we would get, you know, maybe two or three days of snow a year if we were lucky, mostly ice. But, you you know, we didn't even have sleds. We'd go get uh, we'd garbage we, can lids trays yeah or, yeah, or, or the uh or, <laughs> or something from the oven you know like the <laughs> oh yeah, yeah like a cookie sheet yeah. or something anything take flat a, you take just... a baking sheet <laughs> uh, take a baking pan and just ride down the driveway well mom's gonna be pissed but oh well any poor somebody my wife's son Bodie. he's uh he plays hockey he's down here and you know we we're i was having a conversation with one of the uh the hockey parents uh yesterday and they were like you know he's from up north and he's like He's like, it's different down here. He's like, kids, when they play hockey, it's always like structured. They're always doing training and drills and everything. He's like, they never go out. There's no chance for them to go outside and just like, hey, let's play some pond hockey, gather some kids in the neighborhood and go. And those are the fun times you remember. And it leads to a lot of creativity doing things, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, mm -hmm. especially in the South when snow yeah. is uh, few and far between. Well, I'll tell you about creativity with pond hockey. When I was in eighth grade, my friends and I decided, because, you know, I, I played hockey growing up, and we had this pond near us at this this farm, and we started skating out there, and there was a crack in the ice, and we've been playing out all day, and I was so thirsty, I decided to drink said pond water, mm. not as a dare, <laughs> yeah. not as a, hey, guys, you know, You're watch this. Tired and thirsty. I was just so thirsty, and lo and behold, a week later, I was in the hospital. Did you get the Ooh. norovirus? Yeah, I yeah. had like almost—I forget what exactly it was—but they were actually praying for me at church. It was that bad. Let's hold a prayer for Brian. Seriously, well, it's like they name all the people, and it's all the yep. people who are like ninety-seven and like Damn, dying, and they included me. And of course, I come back a week later, and you know, it was—it was pretty bad, but I recovered, obviously. And uh, like all my friends would like break my balls, like, "Why were we praying for you?" Uh, well, dude, I was like well, dying we're, we're, in a hospital. We're, we're glad you're still here. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. That's and I'm one of those when you here. ask the doctor, like, Doc, am I going to be okay? And he's like, mm, maybe. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, kid. <laughs> but I uh, know, Hunter, you mentioned uh, you know, the whole apre thing and the ski lifestyle. Yeah. And that's really how I fell in love with skiing again. Because, you know, as a kid, I'd go here and there. But, you know, my parents used me as an excuse to like why they never had fun after my sister and I were around. Like they never wanted to like include us in hobbies. It was all just they worked. That's all they did. And I've mentioned it before. I think that's why I had arrested development because I was afraid of becoming an adult because their lives looked awful and I didn't want to do that. So I acted like a kid for a long time. But like they never like did stuff with us. They were like, oh, yeah, we'll go skiing, but we won't ski. We'll just sit here and look miserable till you're done. Yeah, oh, I man. never went on a vacation till I was like in after college. Was, oh, me too. It. Me too, Mario. I, like, uh, we we had the 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 winter house. Uh, you know, we had the house in Ski Beach. So uh, I can't really say I didn't have vacations, but uh, that was where we went. You know, we oh, went we, nice, we, we went yeah. to the house in Ski Beach and spent our summers there. But other than that, I can't remember the first time I was actually like in a hotel room. I think my mom took me to Disney once when I was like three but yeah. you know other other than that we we didn't we didn't travel like that yeah i was pissed when whenever like kids got pulled out of school and like oh yeah they're, they're on vacation I'm like fuck why can't i get out of school well i, I remember like school i remember when oh. i you know 
when I first do a couple of, you know, the day ski trips with school, you see your friends and have like the veil sweatshirts and like the Aspen yeah. sweatshirts. And they're like, oh, bragging. Yeah. oh yeah, I'm on like two twenty fives <laughs> now. And you know, cause that was back. Oh, and they'd wear the, uh, the tags on, they, they leave the tags on their uh, jacket. Yeah, that was like oh, the like, douchebag thing. Of course, yes, the old wicket tags, right? Like, yep. uh, yeah, <laughs> they leave them on and they have a stack of them. Like, look how many days I went, bro. And they've been run through the dryer so many times that they're like turning brown. <laughs> like, that yep. says 1984. How long have you had that stupid ticket on your jacket for? <laughs> the shit we used to do back then, right? <laughs> well, it's funny too. Like, you go to the mountains now, and you know, at first I was really like kind of annoyed by it, but you see the little kids and you see like the Jackson Hole sticker or, or like the Telluride sticker, and you're like, Are you telling me that this family is going to Jackson Hole and spending who knows how many thousands for a week there? But then, yep. like, you go to the we go to the um, the Boston ski and snowboard show last year, and you know. They, they're given like all those big resorts have their booths there and they have all the stickers and all the kids are running and grabbing those. I'm like, Oh, okay. So I'm sure a lot of these kids are just grabbing these stickers at these trade shows and just sticking them on their helmets. Not all of them. You never know, man. We have a rule when we ski though, you got to ski after the first day of skiing, then you can put the sticker on your helmet. You I have don't... to earn, you have to earn the sticker. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think, I think you're right though. I think there are a lot of kids out there just buying that sticker, just chucking it on. Hey, this looks cool. Let's chuck it, it on the helmet. CHM hella skiing. It's like, what? Like you went hella skiing and you're like six. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's a bucket list. That's a bucket list thing, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. You know, Homewood, Homewood actually has a, uh, a new program that, that they put in the last couple of years that they're going to be doing some above treeline skiing on their snowcat. And oh, it's nice. remarkably, it's remarkably affordable. I think the price was like 300, just over 300 bucks for the whole day. They provide you with all the Av gear. That's nothing compared Whoa. to yeah. some of the places. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Wow. You just have to pick the right day. It's yeah. We were like 12 people. We were, talking, we were talking to somebody on Friday and they were talking about heli ski and the way it broke down. We were like, for every day, we we're like, it's like about $1,200 a day, like for, seven days of heli skiing meals lodging i was like that actually isn't bad if you think about it in retrospect you know that was the yeah, that was the conversation at the event last friday and it, the only bad thing you needed to pay for still was the flight up to alaska yeah that's yeah. the tough part Yeesh. to get yourself out to alaska and just get on that helicopter and then you have weather right so you go up there for a week you booked your whole trip and and you're grounded maybe, yeah. yeah maybe you don't get out at all i think you, you gotta like hitchhike up the ice road and going up there that's the real way to get up there yeah yeah Yukon trail. i'm hitching on the ice road <laughs> <laughs> on the ice road i don't well, i don't i no longer have that level of fitness so <laughs> and you just wind up freezing to death just a popsicle out there be like the shining just... i mean I, i'm i'm you know i i am totally fine with the fact that i'm a resort skier like uh, there's uh yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on with the backcountry right now and uh, that was something I did in my twenties and was able to enjoy. Thank goodness. I uh, never ended up in an avalanche, never ended up uh, in a dangerous situation, but I have kids now I have three kids and yeah. it, it just doesn't make sense for me to put myself in that situation when I can ski some ridiculously awesome terrain inbounds yeah. at a place like Squaw, Alpine Meadows, of, Homewood. I mean, any of those spots, a lot of people have gone through a lot of trouble to create that experience. Let's not ruin it. Right. <laughs> no yeah it, it, go out there and do it guys when you when you can you know when you yeah. uh, it, go out and do it you're in your 20s go do it so hunter you were saying that you are actually going to be journaling this 
I am. So my my whole plan is actually to kind of follow in, in, in your footsteps, really. Um, uh, we have very little footsteps. I assure you. Oh, you I'm got sure. you got 183 episodes of footsteps. That's those are some pretty serious footsteps. Doesn't well, mean it has to any, be, you know. If you heard the that. early episodes, like the original <laughs> ones, they are they're dumpster fire shit shows. At the well, yeah. Well, I've I, I've heard everything that's still available on uh, on <laughs> <laughs> on iTunes. So I'm not sure if you deleted some of those early ones. Have you, you know checked out SoundCloud? <laughs> Well, you know what? It's funny. Like, I don't. I gotta look at the settings in our website because, like, I they're all like if you go to the RSS feed, like, and actually go through them all, they're all there. It's just a matter of they're the not listed. Through, yeah. I think it's just something with the way the feed is set up, where it's cutting it off after like thirty-five episodes. But hey, if you want me to send you the links to the real official raw first couple. Oh, I mean, of course. We're using a laptop, and there's three of us talking, and like we don't know where the microphone is oh on the laptop. <laughs> that like, was hilarious. Bad. Well, I bought. I bought. I bought a blue yeti just to talk to you guys tonight. So, like, oh, uh, well, you didn't have to do that, but you know, that's a that's a bold. We're going to do the vi the uh, video blog, right? That we yeah, kind of do. That'll inspire exactly. you to use it, right? Nice. Yeah, that's the idea. So, uh, I do want to journal all this. Uh, I've actually reached out to. Uh, ski magazine and uh and powder and free skier as well cool. um Very they're nice. interested they're interested in having you know me kind of go through the whole process uh as i journal along the way and uh what the trials and tribulations will be of making this whole thing work for the winter so uh, yeah i'm excited uh it'll be great to uh to short share share this story with everybody I think it's great because you have you're including the whole family. It's not like you're just taking off and going. I mean, you're going wife and kids, the whole kit and caboodle, man. That's pretty. It's a pretty big deal, you know. Yeah, it's gonna be there's there's gonna be some challenges for sure. My wife will uh, luckily she works shift work. She's a you know nurse practitioner in the NICU, so uh, she will have some shifts where she has to drive down to San Francisco and be away from us for a little bit and. Uh, that's the other thing. I'm gonna have. We're gonna have two cars. We're gonna have the one with the four wheel drive uh, that she can drive over the pass with no problem, and I will keep my little Hyundai Sonata up 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 on the mountain. The good news is it's pretty flat up there, and I'm gonna learn just how good snow tires are for uh, a little front wheel yeah. drive Sonata. Well, I haven't checked recently, but I know a couple months ago that Snowcat limousine was still for sale up in Vancouver. Ah, uh, <laughs> well, you guys have seen. You oh, guys have. You, you guys have seen the 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 giant white uh, the giant uh, the giant white limousine that the ski the East guys drive to Killington. Surely. Oh yeah, that thing that. is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta get no, the there snow was treads a... for your uh, right. Aren't there snow treads you could put on a regular car? Oh yeah, for sure. Trucks. Yeah, there's ones you can kind of like take the uh, you take the wheel off and put those um, like treads on there. It's usually trucks though. I don't know about like passenger cars. Yeah, they have the studded tires, so you can get the snow tires with studs, yeah. and then you put the yeah. little metal bits in the tire that help with ice, which is an East Coast thing. But being out west, uh, actually, the the snow tires seem to be what everybody says works best yeah. and make sure you stock up on stuff in case you get snowed in right oh yeah man and we have bears you know they don't they don't hibernate <laughs> uh they've learned they've learned that they can uh get food any time of the year if they just break into your car so Damn, uh, we we have bear boxes outside the house have to make sure that we keep the food 
secured and out of the car and in the house. And uh, they know they know what coolers look like and they know what fridges look like. And nice. they go for that. Even if they can't smell the food, they'll just go for that fridge. See, I'm showing the, uh, on oh, the, the screen limo. share right now. There it oh. is. The Snowcat <laughs> limousine. Snowcat wow. <laughs> Magical. Tell me that isn't just a glorious, glorious vehicle. <laughs> That's pretty badass right there. Yeah, they took a bombardier, a 250 <laughs> bombardier, and then they put a 89 caddy stretch limo on top of it. Damn. Dude, that's like something Snoop Dogg would roll up to at the ski lodge and be like, what's up? Notorious SKI. Where is, <laughs> is, is, that, is that Donner Lake right there? Is that, uh, is that Donner Lake in, in the background? I think it's up in Vancouver. Uh, okay. That could be uh, up by Whistler somewhere. But awesome. yeah, that thing is just that was all, it was for sale last fall, and I think it has been sold. Ah, so it was only six oh, grand. That was, a, that was a bargain. Six thousand Canadian. I'm Canadian. sure that thing handles like a Ferrari too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a broken, busted, <laughs> realist Ferrari. Yes. So now, is that going to be your full time gig when you're out there? Yeah, it's going to be my full time gig. I'm going to be a full time stay at home dad. So uh, nice. we've got. We've got my older daughter in ski school a few days a week. Uh, my younger son, he he's been he's skiing. This is this will be his second season, but he's not old enough uh, to to actually be in ski school. So we'll be skiing in the backyard mostly. This and, is a two and a half year old. Yeah, two and a half year old. So this well, is he's his second out there. Three. Oh yeah, yeah. We 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 put our kids on skis as soon as they could start walking. So I feel uh, like I uh, I'm denying my child then. So I'm waiting. I know you're, this is you're late, first Brian. season now. <laughs> it, oh. ch it, check out my Instagram at Hunter the Snow Dad. Uh, you'll see the the pics of my little guys skiing. So they 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 love it already. Um, awesome. my daughter is definitely the more fearless one. She was into it immediately. This will be her fourth season this year, actually, as a five year old. Um, uh, my son is a little bit more timid, but he seems to be enjoying sliding on the snow. The main thing is, you know, if you want to, you guys have talked about this a bunch. The main thing is if you want to get out there with your kids, just make sure that they have fun sliding on the snow. If they want to fall down and play in the snow, let them play in the snow. Don't, don't force the issue. Just if it's not fun to them, then they're not going to be interested in continuing. Right. That's uh that's kind of yeah, the conversations we've had in the past when we had uh, Rich from All About Apre here and you know we were talking to some folks this past weekend and yeah I yeah. love Rich I follow him on uh I, I follow him on all the things yeah, cool. yeah he's a he's a he's a real good dude and yeah that we we had that conversation it's like that's that's you almost have to have the mindset of okay this is not about you today this is not about getting as much vertical as you can in a day the most runs possible this is about just. <sighs> introducing them like building the foundation of the house that is their ski life yeah exactly yeah you, you you couldn't have worded that any better you know just building the foundation of having having fun in the snow dude yeah. you said you just said like counting how much vertical you get in a day and i got like douche chills i was like i remember when i used to do that this is so stupid. Checking your top speed. <laughs> well, the top speed was top always speed, kind of like, fun. That ski like, track. Right. Well, things really true. I mean, come on. That well, was, to be fair, I still do that. <laughs> I, I love that app because you know it kind of. I mean, it it's makes fun. You know, I, I track my speed every day. I'm telling my <laughs> friends, dude. I went. I went 57 miles an hour today. And you always get one yo-yo that's. Like, I went 86. I'm like, there's no freaking way you went 86, man. I still have a screenshot of my 71 miles an hour in Telluride. And that was actually legit. 
and I can prove I, it. I'll I, do it again. I think I think my top I think my top speed at Killington <laughs> was about sixty seven. Wow. Yeah, I, I knew I knew the route. Wow. So I had a bunch of friends. We would all race from uh, from the top of uh, either from the top of K one or from the top of um, uh, from the top of Superstar all the way down, uh, all the way down to the base base when it was still open. Go through the little tunnel there, going uh, going all the way down, down to like uh, Route Four. Bomb it. Yeah, down to Route Four. Cool. Sixty eight is pretty goddamn impressive. That's pretty good. <laughs> well, I grew up as a racer. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. And if you know Those the route, skills. if you know the route and it's you know wide open on a by the way, listeners, don't do this. Yes, we do not advocate <laughs> yeah. putting yourself in harm's do way. Not, yeah. I've actually got stopped myself because I'm like, I feel like I'm going to ridiculous speed where I'm just gonna kill myself. But you know, that's that's the East Coast version of jumping off of shit, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is, right? So we don't have 30 foot cliffs to jump off of, so we just go really fast. Go yeah. really fast that way. If something gets in your way, turn. turn. <laughs> Greatest advice ever. That's right. <laughs> Better off dead mentality. <laughs> Tell so, you what, though, like you said about being on the East Coast, that there's nothing like being terrified on a sheet of ice going down. Yeah, man, that's, you, that's how you learn to ski. That's what makes us better skiers. Yeah, and then we've been out west. Like we were in... Um, where was Jackson Hole? And I remember there was a family that was like, "Oh my God, it's not not that sunny out today. I don't know if we can go out." I'm like, "Are you freaking kidding me? It's great out. Good. Stay in stay in the resort. If I can see the tips of my skis, it's a bright, clear day on the East Coast. There you go. Right? There's yeah. snow. We're like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? I remember the first time I put on some big fat powder skis, and this is cheating. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is just cheating. I don't have to fight care. to keep the tips Learn on. how to this ski on your East Coast skis. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, so you're going to be documenting all this. And where are people going to be able to find it so we can lead them there? Yeah. So uh, snowdad.com or thesnowdad.com, either one. Uh, I'm also at snowdad on Facebook. And uh, I'm the snowdad on Twitter. Uh, all of these are uh, all of these are new. I'm just starting the uh, I'm just starting this process. So it's actually it. interesting that you were able to get Snow Dad. Yeah, I know, right? right? So I wanted Ski Dad, but apparently Ski Dad is actually like some Norwegian ski sales company. Uh, ski Dad, So I went with Snow Dad, and that makes a lot of sense for me because I'm actually like really into everything that is snow. I love snow like I'm one, of those, I'm one of those people that when everyone else in new york is complaining about the snow i want it to dump that's awesome well you know i say that because you're lucky like you didn't have to compete with like a cartel out of miami or anything for that name <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> well, snow dad, yeah. funny, funny enough when snow when, poppy's when, taken though snow poppy. <laughs> it is <laughs> yeah couldn't you and and when you start uh, like searching snow dad what you get mostly is uh information about the uh the tv show uh who is the snow dad from uh what's the one with all the dragons game of thrones yeah so you get game of oh, thrones really? you get game of thrones links who is snow's father, father? oh yeah uh, okay who's john snow's dad that's what you find oh, but uh but that's okay. We're I'm, I'm gonna Make build sure the brand up a lot of Game of Thrones stuff. Then. <laughs> hey, you could really meme that up then for yourself too. You know, meme it up and get those other people following you. 
As long as you can Photoshop a dragon on stuff, you'll be good to go. There you go. Paint your kids up like white walkers once in a while. You'll be fine. Oh, Halloween's coming. Halloween. See? That's right. There's the costumes. <laughs> there you go. So when does the when does the journey officially begin? So uh, November 22nd, our moving truck arrives. Wow. So coming up just, just under a month. That is that is the move. We will be actually a little bit behind. It looks like uh, squads posting that they're going to try and open by the 15th. They're already blowing under Red Dog Chair. Uh, so it looks fantastic. It's It's been great living on the East Coast as well, especially living at Killington, because, you know, Killington is often one of the first resorts to open in the U.S. They're, they're blowing snow again. And, of course, they're going to spend a lot of their money and air pressure and water blowing to get the the world cup ready again yeah they're contracted to open <laughs> by that time <laughs> yeah they are so but they have a little bit of extra time this week because you know that the 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 world cup is i guess it's been rebranded the uh the highline world cup this uh, the, the the home light Ooh. world cup this year oh, okay oh, really? I'm, I'm not sure which i'm not sure who home light is but it's the home light fis world cup this weekend uh home opening... insurance company i think we're a lawnmower company Rob probably i mean we brand every we brand every oh, stadium in the company country. yeah oh See? really oh that's right you're right better. i thought it was some kind yeah. of like yeah like a chainsaw right. one mower yeah. or something <laughs> you're right home oh, does make chains chainsaws so outer, so. Weird, outer, i wonder if they have people juggling chainsaws yeah so I seeing that Ooh. <laughs> so they, they're doing machine. that on november Wait. 30th and that's the FIX World Cup. That's the <laughs> X Games and FIS together. It's chainsaw, slalom. Well, it's just X combine World Cup, right? Combine the two. Why not, right? I still like my idea for the extreme biathlon where you have <laughs> speed ski like speed skiing with like an uh have like yeah. a some sort of Uzi and you gotta shoot targets while you're skiing as fast as you possibly can. Whatever happened to speed skiing? We have the Nordic biathlon, right? The, the real Nordic biathlon, bi Nordic combined, cross country right? and shooting rifles. But to have extreme speed skiing with an Uzi hitting targets while you're going as fast as you can. That no, no, wasn't. What could is, that be more the Nordic American? Combined, which is the ski jumping and shooting. Could but they don't do it at the same American. time. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to see them do it at the same time. Ski jumping and shooting. That's not a bad idea. So it's almost like skeet shooting, but you're the skeet as well. That's right. You can't have people in the stands like in front of them. It's got to be behind them. Bulletproof glass everywhere. <laughs> or maybe that's the action section. You know, you, you get to to get the feeling of them shooting at you if they if they miss. I don't know. And, and it has to be all inverted tricks, so you're doing it upside down. Nice. Right? That would. I think, that would, I think that's the way to go. Who wouldn't think, tune into that? Okay, that's Olympics 2.0. That's Wayne Brady hosting it. It'll be perfect. <laughs> I'm writing this down. Olympics 2.0. <laughs> I told I told my wife if I'm gonna learn if I'm gonna learn how to uh, cross country ski, you have to buy me a rifle. Uh, of course, there you go. never know when you're gonna run into a bear or something. It's protection. It's good eats. Good yeah, eats. where did that sport come from? Let's let's do a whole bunch of athletic activity and then try to shoot stuff. Well, yeah. that's actually, you know, it's, it's crazy. It actually started um, in the, the Nordic countries. That's how they would hunt for food. They would they'd have their skis, their rudimentary skis back then, and they would have to calm their heart rate down, get down, and shoot the food for the village. Yeah, that's oh, how dear. that started. Take it down. That makes yeah. sense. Now, now, can you also explain curling? 
That's that's out of my wheelhouse right there. That's just a bunch of a lot of people fat. were drinking a lot of beer and they decided to start throwing these heavy stones down. That's, that's just it. drunk Canadians being like, imagine if the hockey puck was way bigger, eh, with a handle. That was before <laughs> cannabis was legalized in Canada. That sport came out. Isn't that that's amazing? Amazing. Pre- yeah. right? That's pre-blackface, brown face Justin Trudeau that came out. That's how old this sport is. That's right. Oh, it's it's kind of like bocce ball in a sports suit and some sliding shoes cold bocce ball yeah like ice bowling bocce. shoes on a on an ice rink it does look fun though it does like, i feel like it, it was like on a friday night get your buddies together chuck the stone around yeah, you have to do a team with the, with the shirts right oh yeah there's do. there's actually a spot here in brooklyn at prospect park where you can go and uh, like have a night of curling uh, really and and they 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 fill up like the entire winter. You can't even get a spot. They book up so fast. That's awesome. That's great. For some reason, Friday night. It seems like yeah, that seems like the ideal curling night. Yeah. Well, there's hockey on, so it's hockey night in Canada, and then you got your curling going. And curling night in Canada. Every right. every night in Canada's got a night. Got your Molson Pradors. <laughs> you guys are heading out in a month. Is there any last minute prep? Anything else you have to do? to get this ready to, to, you know, organize your move or are you guys all pretty much set at this point? Well, I mean, I guess we're set in the sense that we still have a whole ton of stuff to pack. And, uh, I did buy a giant pair of, uh, powder skis. So nice. that's the most important go. thing, right? I, would you go with what kind? Uh, I went with the Nordica enforcer one tens. Nice. Oh, I like choice. the enforcers. Yeah. I have yeah. the 100s and I love those goddamn skis. Yeah, they're great skis. Oh. I, I skied on them last season just as a demo when we were out at Heavenly, actually. And Ooh. uh yeah, they're they're fantastic skis. And they continue to like get top ratings every year. So I bought last year's skis at the end of the season, saved about half what I would pay if I bought new ones this season. So way to yep. do it. Yeah, my yeah, wife's on the 93s. I'm on the 100s. Like they're just it's it's almost unfair how easy they are to ski. Oh, it is. It, it's cheating. It's yeah. totally cheating. Any conditions too. That's that's what makes them so amazing. And they, car- and they carve great because like I'm an old racer, so like even you know if you just want to rip some some groomers, uh, they carve great, and and then they'll like take you through the crud as well. So it's a uh, it's a good nice. ski. They kind of defy physics in that regard. Yeah, they really do. It's the new technology is fantastic. I, I'm, you know, I'm an old racer, like you said, skiing on, you know, my old, uh, what were they, Rosignol two tens. The nice. uh, you got to break those out every every once in a while just to get pissed <laughs> there off. There you go. Oh, I'm gonna make I'm, I'm gonna make a chair out of them. That's for sure. Yeah, they Fol- oh, following nice. following uh following your uh following your plans. I'm gonna make. Did you a, see the chair? I did see the chair. I'm I love the chair. The chair is actually right on the other side of me right now. Mario saw it in person last week. I sat in it last week. Yeah, it's actually really comfortable. My 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 wife has said I can I can make a, a ski Adirondack chair when we have our ski house. There you go. I so, love the picture on your Instagram too. You have the one of the uh, where's that picture from with the uh, the blizzard skis in the back there. Oh the uh, oh that's from uh, that's from Atatash actually. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, and, and in fact, if you're looking for like a great family spot, Atatash was fantastic. We did uh, we did Atatash last weekend, uh, last uh, uh, not last weekend, but last uh, uh, February break, and we ended up getting very lucky. Had a big snowstorm, and it was fantastic. The uh, 
Uh, the ski school there is great. My kids loved it and got a chance to get out with my older son and uh, enjoy some moguls and some uh, and some trees. And it turned out to be a really nice little resort. Very nice. cool. Yeah, that's the thing I was been talking about the last you know couple of weeks is just trying to find some new spots to hit. And I haven't skied anything in New Hampshire, which seems idiotic. Hmm. But you know, it's again for where we are. You know, in New Jersey, it's so much easier to go up to uh, a Lake Placid or you know Vermont than to get all the way over to New Hampshire. But I'm like, you know what? It's an extra hour. Who cares? Just try something new. You know, break out of the comfort zone. That's kind of this ski season's hopefully the theme is to break out of the comfort zone. Yeah, especially for your listeners on the East Coast, uh, there's there's a bunch of good options. Um, I mean, Killington is fantastic. You're, you're not going to beat it. Okemo is great as well. Uh, but if you want something that's a little uh, more family friendly, there's tons of options. Yeah. Yeah. We were looking at, you know, like Wildcat and um, Cannon, Cannon, Gunstock. Yeah. Like there's so many places to go. Oh, yeah. My son learned learned to ski at Gunstock. Actually. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Didn't you win lift tickets from there at the Boston Snow Show last year? I did. I gave them to you guys. You gave them to me. And guess who didn't use them? Oh, like an <laughs> asshole. Just throwing money away. Wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> Should have given them to Matt. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> All right. So you guys are heading out. Um, are, and are you going to start documenting the journey like as soon as you leave? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually starting now. So this is actually part of this is really one of the first things I'm going to be starting to journal is what we've talked about here today. So Cool. Uh, this is this is kind of the beginning of my my journal as we go along through the trip. Nice, oh, perfect. And we're part of that. Thanks, thanks yeah. for including us. Yeah, man. Nice. Uh, yeah, thanks I, for like, writing. This was a lot of fun chatting with you about you, this. You guys, you yeah. guys, totally inspired me. I've been listening to you guys for uh, at least a year now, uh, and uh, I drive a lot, spend a lot of time in the car, so I listen to podcasts a lot. And you're one of my favorites. Oh, thanks thank you very much. Man. We're happy to uh, be part of your your ski journeys and your your road warrior journeys. Thank you, man. It's been great to talk to you guys. Yeah, you as well. So now all your information, they can see you at Instagram.com slash Hunter the Snowdad, Snowdad.com. Uh, at Snowdad on Facebook and The Snowdad on Twitter. Excellent. So your journey has begun. And we'll have to get you back on in a couple of months once you're settled. And, yeah, and see I, how I, things I would going. love I'd love to be a regular guest. I'd love to come back on. We'll talk about this again. Definitely. And you're We'd already, love to have you back on again. And since you already described where you'll be living, I think we'll be able to find you when we, you know, <laughs> yeah, almost town. right. <laughs> Just yes. be knocking on the door. I think this you is can, it. You could, probably, you could probably find me within a few blocks. <laughs> see, we inspired you. And you're going to inspire us. There's going to be this whole circle of inspiration going on. I love it. This has been so great to talk to you guys. Well, it was a pleasure having you on, Hunter. Yeah, Thank you so for much being for joining on, us. And good luck with everything with the move. Thanks, yeah. Brian. Thanks, Mario. All right. Take care. Have a good one. Take care. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you want more info on Hunter, we have it on the website at skibumpodcast.com. If you have any additional questions or anything else you want to hit us up about, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Under the ropes. Mario. This is all you, baby. Yeah, for this one, we only have one story for Under the Ropes, but it's a good one. And uh, it's that time of year. It's a time of year. It's topical, right? Um, just like that rash, it's topical.
So uh, it's an article from, I saw several articles, and I think this one came out of, yeah, Food and Wine. Uh, and they tried turduck and Pringles. So this time of year, uh, for the last few years, um, I guess it's, who's it, Frito-Lay? Who owns uh, Pringles? It is Kellogg's. Satan Incorporated. Oh, Satan Incorporated. Kellogg's, yes. Kellogg's. So Kellogg's owns Pringles. So what they do on their on their website on Kellogg's.com or whatever, um, they put these up for sale this time of year. And it is a Turducken Pringles Thanksgiving, they call it Friendsgiving Feast set. And uh, it's pretty it's pretty interesting, right? So they give you these Pringles that taste like different things, like duck, like chicken, like turkey like cranberry sauce, like pie, like all this stuff. And Food and Wine actually was able to get their hands on an early release, of course, because they're Food and Wine. And they actually did a whole sampling of them to try them out to explain to everybody what they're, what they're like. Um, now, this hit home for me because I saw this advertised on the local news, and I was waiting today to get on at noon uh, or uh, 11 o'clock central, whatever, noon when they were going to go on sale. And I was sick and tired, and I just kind of sat on the couch for like an hour, and that was the hour they went on sale, and they were sold out by the time I, I looked. Ugh. So they sold out in under probably like an hour. Uh, I think last year they said they sold out at 41 minutes, and more people were looking out for them this year. So they probably sold out earlier. Uh, the way they broke it down, though, it was about... 16 bucks for I think it's only like like a sleeve of Pringles, you know, is what it what it comes down to. So it's 16 bucks for a sleeve? Yeah, but it's broken out into separate little pods in this carrier. So like I think it's like six little compartments where they have the different flavors in and you just open the big pack. Um but anyway, so Food and Wine tried them and they actually said the turkey reminded reminded them of turkey skin because of the crispy factor with a fatter mouthfeel than the chicken flavor, but a hint of stuffing, herbs, and spices. The duck was noticeably more duck-like than the two (laughs) poultry chips. Uh, They said, and this is weird, because I've had, I think we've all tried these weird flavor chips, not just Pringles, but like they do the potato chips on on these flavors. And you taste them, you're like, yeah, this tastes what you're telling me it's going to taste like, but it freaks your mind out because it's a freaking chip. Like you're, you're just like, I can't wrap my, my mind around, you know, buffalo wings and blue cheese when I'm eating a chip. Like it tastes exactly like it. But well, just I remember the, the one time at the our Mount Snow ski house, you brought up all those wacky, was it yeah. ruffles? There was like the three or four different like experimental flavors they had. Yeah, they were doing the experimental flavors. And that's how they came out with some of the flavors they introduced. And it was a genius idea because people were like, I just want to try some unknown chips, see what flavor they are, you know. It was, uh, and, and those are weird, right? You could kind of pick out and like, it tastes sort of, but it's so, uh, so then they said, uh, so that was the duck. Then he said the chicken packs most punch, the most punch with spices and chicken flavor. Um, they said akin to chicken ramen seasoning packet. And then they had side dishes. So you have your meats and then you have your side, your sides that also are different chips. And they have stuffing, a bit like ranch dressing flavored with a little something extra, celery or onion. So they say that makes sense. Cranberry sauce, tart and very berry forward, which is an odd combination. 
They said it's actually the oddest of the bunch with the starchy potato chips. They said they wanted it to taste like dipping a potato chip into the cranberry sauce, but it doesn't. It's strange. <laughs> pumpkin pie. So they have pumpkin pie is another one, and they have another weird non-savory flavor in the mix, but this one delivers the pumpkin pie spices as well as rounded, rounded out guard, gourd flavor on the finish. So they said it personally tasted more like sweet potato pie than pumpkin. Um, and they weren't alone on it, but they said it actually did taste like it should, but it's just weird. And then they came to the turducken stack. So the idea is you take all these chips and you stack them and that's like a turducken. So when they combine the meaty chips, it created almost a barbecue flavor, a little salty, herbaceous, um, and the sum of its parts, the individual track, they said for in total, um, they said it might be more difficult to market turkey or duck flavors uh, than, say, familiar chicken. Um, but the duck especially stands out at the chip they wouldn't mind having in a tube all its own. The duck, really? I would never have thought, like, if you asked, like, asked me in the beginning of this article, tell me what flavor I thought would have been the worst one, I would go with the duck. I would have thought duck too. Right? Because chicken and turkey we have in every, you know, I mean, we have products that are chicken and turkey flavored or. Like, I still don't get that chicken and a biscuit thing. Like, I don't, who the hell wants that? Like, I, like, I want a cracker, but I also want the flavor of chicken. <laughs> I want to taste a cracker, but I want to taste chicken. It's just... I don't want any protein. I want just carbs, <laughs> carbs and diabetes. <laughs> That's what I want in my chicken. <laughs> but it's so. And I think everybody that's tried these weird flavors has experienced it where you're like, your mind, it just freaks out because you're like, I taste what I'm expecting to taste, but I'm not chewing what I'm expecting to chew. You don't have no, you know, you don't have that, especially for something like a pumpkin pie, but like you don't have the crust, the crumbly crust that you get and the pumpkin, you know, the mouthfeel of the pumpkin, you know, goo in there. Like it just, it just tastes all weird. Like the textures are, are big for me. Oh yeah, and that's that's what makes it so enjoyable. Yeah, I'm not a huge pumpkin pie fan, but you know, I appreciate a small slice this time of year again because of that weird, like I said, mushy, gooey texture and the balance of that versus that crispy, flaky crust. Right. That's the whole point. That's enjoyable. It's not really the flavor; it's more the texture of it. And when you have just a potato chip, this is like you can get um, one of the gum companies get like uh, chiclets or something to make turducken with the same flavors. Cause they probably could take the same flavors and put into gum. Think of how oh, weird a, that would be. Well, let's talk to Steve about that. So you mentioned these things were 1599 when they went on sale today. Yeah. I just went on eBay. There are ones that are selling for 150 fucking dollars. Oh yeah. This People is a sure them. sign that we are, that we are almost at the economic collapse. It's just getting to this point of ridiculousness that everything is just going to just backslide down the, the hill. Well, it's just, this is what people do. Instead of get a real job, they'd rather sit online, buy these Pringles on online and then resell them somewhere else. Who is spending a hundred dollars on potato chips? Mm, crazy, right? So how many is even, so you get six different flavors, right? <laughs> Say how many are of each. Let's see. CNN has a video, but let me see. I think one of them, one of the articles, one of the other ones showed the uh, the package, and it was like six 
There's six right. flavors, but how many of each chip? Um, let's see. There was a chip count. They broke out how much it was per chip. Okay. And it was that's weird. what we're going to need. Another fun fact while we're looking this up, do you know who created Turducken? That would be the late Cajun chef Paul Prudhomme. He has claimed to have invented the Turducken, a turkey stuffed with duck, stuffed with a chicken in the 1970s, and he became synonymous with the dish. And he even trademarked it in 1986. Something that is trademarkable, backcountry.com. I know you're uh-huh. listening. Not yeah. trademarkable. Turducken, trademarkable. Exactly. And go duck yourself. That's what I say. That's right. Backcunty.com. Backcunty. <laughs> Damn. There's another lost sponsor. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, well, we still have REI. <laughs> so I can't see where it's where it says that, but it's 2.9 ounces. That's not a lot of ounces. What is so? Let's say what's their maximum of like ten per flavor. So you're talking like sixty potato chips for sixteen bucks. And these people are paying one hundred and fifty dollars on eBay for those same sixteen potato chips. That's ten dollars per potato chip. Yeah, right. No, that math, is, like that math is way off. Way off. No, I said sixty, not sixteen. Okay. It's like four bucks a potato chip. That's crazy. It's goddamn hysterical is what it is. Awesome. Again, we have not confirmed exactly how many of each flavor you get. It's actually two dollars and fifty cents a chip. If it's if there are indeed two sixty chip. Two fifty a chip. How much for one chip? Two fifty. <laughs> That'd be great if, like, the truck carrying all these Pringles, like, got jacked, and then somebody sells them on the black market. Yeah, right. That'd be next year. We got to steal the whole, be like, this is the Pringles, this is a Chaducan load, taking this down. Tear goddamn ducking. All right. Well, I guess that wraps up the old podcast for the week. Yeah. So um, next week, we got to figure out what we're going to do. I'm not even sure. We, we have... Um, Wheels are up on Thursday, so. Yeah, you know what? We might just ha- actually do a quick intro from the show, post the uh, our next week's interview, and just call it a week, and then come back the week after. Yeah, or we could post something maybe Tuesday, put the interview up since uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Quick intro and just post the, uh, the interview. Yeah. So we got a lot of good stuff coming up the next week. A lot of big events. Uh, we can't wait for it. We're excited. I hope we have some really good content to bring you guys as well. So thank you again so much for listening. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. If you want more info or you want more stickers, hit us up, skibumpodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram. That's the best way to do it. We are available on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are at Ski Bump Podcast. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe. Please subscribe. Rate us. Send us to your friends. Let them know that they Tell we exist. to subscribe. Yes, please. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on all of those platforms. 
And I think we actually have the correct logo out there on iTunes. Finally, we had an issue the last oh, couple yeah. weeks. No, it's good. Yeah, it's looking good. We also have the shop, skibumpodcast.com slash shop. If you want to buy some merch and support us, we'd appreciate that. We got to get our Patreon set up and our PayPal set up. Those are yeah. on the way. But thank you so much again for listening. A lot of good stuff coming up. Thank you again to Hunter 2 for joining us for the interview. And we will talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay fluent. See ya.